everybody. It's the Back Judge Podcast. I'm Adam Clevin along with Tommy Murray and Lee Murray. The boys, uh, it's, it's a fine Thursday evening here. The boys uh, got me got me up. I'm feeling like Lee uh, during a Dearborn 7-on-7. Oh gosh. It's not, it's not a good way to feel. Your body is in uh, recovery mode. You need some Gatorade gummies. <laughs> Lee, Lee and I... <laughs> Lee and I, on the other hand, edit edit during the day, crank out a workout in between, and then we hit a podcast at night. Yep. We're the exact opposite of Clef. We're we're fine yep. old machines at uh, at this point. Yeah, I'm just I, I I've been too busy rewatching Game of Thrones, so I just you know, oh man, that's a get, oh, deep gosh, hole to get it to, to to bury yourself in right now of of, of entertainment. It was it was either that or rewatch the Harry Potter movies again. So I, I don't You got to broaden your horizons a bit, I think. I think you got to Yeah, Clef, well, you, you, you didn't you didn't uh, like you did, Locke, you did. so. You did. I, a little flick called Locke. <laughs> That's for a different podcast. Maybe we need to start a movie <laughs> review podcast here. Club, uh, how many out of every 10 episodes of Game of Thrones you watch, how many times you dozing off? Just a little casual doze off. Oh, I just I do like one a night, and then um, I listen to uh, just a podcast, and then I fall asleep. That's okay. The, All yeah, right. yeah. You're not, you're not binging. This is no. responsible watching. Yeah, this is a responsible uh, clip. Um, I love to hear. It's the AFC South. AFC South podcast. We're going over the division. We're taking a look at the the win totals. Uh, trying to decide where the value is here between the Texans, Colts, Jags, and Titans. Uh, Titans, a team that made it all the way to the AFC Championship game last year. Colts are a team who, you know, brought in a new new quarterback to their to their team, and also you know made made a draft pick that Lee was a fan of at at the quarterback position. Texans, man, we lo- we all love Deshaun, but Bill O'Brien uh, can't help himself. It's, it's from just trying to sink the ship. It seems like. Uh, and then the Jags are kind of in their own little world. I think there's things with the Jags. I think we can maybe just start down in Jacksonville. To me, there's stuff with the Jags, honestly, that I can get somewhat excited about. I don't think their their you know skill positions are all that bad. You look at DJ Westbrook, DJ Chark, or, or DD Westbrook. I'm sorry, DD Westbrook, DJ Chark, uh, bringing in a guy like Lavisca Chenault who. You know, we talked to him about him a lot in the pre-draft process, and the guy who I like, although you know, you don't know what the what the hell situation is going to be there. Uh, Leonard Fournette, you know, is a is a good running back. Is he as versatile as the number four pick should have you know provided you at the running back position? No, but still a, a very solid player in the backfield for them. And the offensive line uh, is not that bad either. So it all kind of comes down though to Gardner Minshew, who in my eyes is just a backup quarterback. Does he have the moxie? Sure. You, you know, can he maybe pull out a few games for you? Sure. But when you're talking about a 16-game starter uh, in this league, I don't think uh, Gardner Minshew uh, is, is – I think, you know, he's going to be a more like a Case Keenum type guy. Maybe he can, you know, give you one season in his career, uh, you know, like you had in Minnesota. But, you know, does, is he a long-term answer? I don't believe that's the case. Um. And then just things on the defense seem to have been deteriorating for a few years now since their AFC Championship run. No more A.J. Bouye, no more Jalen Ramsey. Telvin Smith is completely out of the picture now. Uh, and making two picks like Caleb Chasen and C.J. Henderson, to me, 
are somewhat boom or bust in, in, in a certain type of way. I chase on more so than Henderson, but still Henderson is a guy that is not a well-rounded corner uh, in terms of uh, just the, the physical aspect of his game. So uh, Tommy, are you with this line being here at five, are you tempted kind of just to stay away because it is so low and you don't have that half game to kind of swing you either way? Or um, just what is your overall feeling on this Jags team? It's definitely a stay away from me. And Clep, I agree a lot of what you said. I I do like the rookies that they bring in, uh, specifically LaVisca. I think LaVisca, if he's healthy, you brought up his health. If he's able to be healthy, I think he can fit in just about any offense and would really help a guy like Garner Minshew, who they already have kind of a, a certified deep threat after his breakout year last year in DJ Chark. And I think LaVisca can kind of take care of a lot of that work underneath and just kind of get getting the ball in his hands. Um, you know, I, I mean, Clep, I kind of disagree with you. This team has a little bit of pop to them. Um, I definitely am staying away from the five. And if I had to take anything, I might go over. Uh, just because I think Garner Minshew actually might be a little too good for a tanking team. Um, I don't know, maybe he'll get fi- figured out this year, but I do think that he, like you said, Klepp brings a little bit of moxie to the table, and I do think that they have some, they have okay weapons there. I mean, clearly, I think we're all going to agree that this, we're all going to pick them as the worst team in this division, but to take a optimistic approach to them, uh, they do have some nice pieces in offense. Their defense, though, Klepp, you alluded to the rookies. Uh, I don't expect either of those guys to make a, in, an impact in year one. I'm assuming that Calevon is going to be taking Yannick Ngakwe's spot. He's on the franchise tag, but he wants out of town. Um, Josh Allen was awesome last year. He's a guy that I was probably the lowest on in this in the draft class of 2019, and he had a really darn good year last year, and I think he probably is going to have a breakout year this year. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, a guy I was listening to, Clayus Campbell, get interviewed by the Two for Ones draft podcast over on PFF, and he was talking about Josh Allen just has – all the potential in the world is a true student of the game and is a guy that he has a lot of has high expectations for. But Clep, you talked about their secondary. It was awful last year. They lose Bouye. They lost Ramsey. You're bringing in CJ Henderson to be your number one corner as a rookie. Uh, they have okay safety play, I guess. Ronnie Harrison's a nice player, but Gerard Wilson isn't really a starter. And we, you guys are a little bit more familiar with the Marshawn Melvin and DJ Hayden, two former Raider and Lions corners. And they're slotted to start as the veteran presence across from Henderson. So, I mean, yeah, Tom, overall, Tommy, all you I need to know there this, is that's not good. That is that is yeah, what we like to call not, suboptimal. Yep, not good at all. Uh, I should mention Miles Jack too. He's a really good uh, young linebacker. Fits the modern game. They paid Joe Schobert a lot of money to kind of be the Talvin Smith replacement, I guess. But I think he's a smart player, but doesn't really have the same type of athleticism as uh, Talvin Smith did. So, but he probably pre- presents maybe a little bit higher of a floor. Um, overall, I think this team is building, and if they get you know Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, or that boy Trey Lance next year, I think this could be a team that we're all maybe is going to be a darling of the 21 offseason. But right now, this team, I believe, will have a top five pick. They probably will not win five games, but I am going to stay away from the number just because I actually have a little bit of faith in Gardner Minshew in a 16-game season. Yeah, I would say Minshew does have some Fitzpatrick-esque qualities about him um, where Late in games, he can pull some things off. He's, he does have moxie, like you guys said. But ultimately, I don't want to over-talk this Jaguars point. I, I don't think this is a team that's going to be winning more than five games. I definitely wouldn't put money on it. I think five is right around where I see them, um, just because of Minshew's quality to, to game and some of the pieces they have. 
But ultimately, I think the Marone era is a year away from being over, and the hiring of Jay Gruden as the offensive coordinator, I don't necessarily agree with. I don't think the direction is really there for this team. And Tommy, you're bringing up some of the top guys. I think this team will be drafting pretty early. So I'm I'm lockstep with you guys. Yeah, I mean, Tommy, I like I like Joe Schobert uh, a lot, but I think when you just look at that defense, Joe Schobert's not going to carry you anywhere. So uh, it, it's it is what it is in Jacksonville. At least they changed those uh, really bad helmets, but um, I think they're they're just going to roll with uh, Minshew and and see what happens. Let's go to the Colts, um, a team who now has Philip Rivers at the helm, and to me. It, it kind of all rides on him and whether or not he can put together, you know, one or two good seasons at the end of his career in Indianapolis. And his kind of Achilles heel the last few years in, in the Chargers was just the turnovers became just brutal and, and unavoidable for him. And the last two seasons, I think, for Philip Rivers have been some of the more two disappointing seasons of his career just because I thought that the team was really good around him, but consistently you just kind of saw at the end of games, Phillip Rivers making mistakes uh, that veterans should not be making and putting his team in, in a bad situation uh, a lot. So uh, I'm, I'm somewhat optimistic that Phillip Rivers can, can come in here and, and turn things around. And especially now that you add Jonathan Taylor in the draft, you already have a guy like Marlon Mack and a very solid offensive line. I think you can, hand the ball off a little bit more and maybe just have Philip Rivers throw the ball, you know, 25 times a game and, and get a in and, and get some wins in the, in the league. Uh, and also too, I think, you know, talking about their draft and, and using a first round pick basically on DeForest Buckner, who is uh, an elite interior rusher in this league and, and just getting that pass rush presence that they didn't really have before is a, is a big deal for them. And, and Tommy, you know, I, I like to talk about having guys at each each level of the defense, right? So you have Buckner on the line, Darius Leonard uh, in the middle, and then you have a, a guy like Malik Hooker uh, in, in the in the back uh, back five there, and in the secondary that I think you have, you know, very good players at each level of the defense. So, um, you know, Lee, you've always been a big Philip Rivers guy, as long along with me, just in terms of his love for the game and stuff like that. So, uh, when, when it comes to the Colts and at this eight and a half win line to me seems a little high. I don't know if I'd be jumping all over the over, especially when you have a team like the Titans who, who won the division at the same, same number. Um, what do you kind of think of, of what's going to happen with Phil Rivers here in Indianapolis? Yeah, I definitely wouldn't touch this line. Um, I would say that the Colts probably present the highest floor to me in this division. Um, I, I would argue that it's a good argument between Mike Vrabel and Frank Reich, but the Colts have the best coach in this division. And especially when you want to talk about Rivers, I think, I don't know what the prior relationship, I know there is a prior relationship uh, with him and Frank Reich. I don't know specifically what it is, but I know they've worked together before. And I think with a little bit better offensive guidance, Phillip Rivers will execute at a higher level. But at the same time, it's not like he didn't have a great team around him um, in L.A. with the Chargers. And even if you want to say the Chargers had questionable coaching, um, Rivers still, like you said, turned the ball over a ton. So I don't think you can rely on the Colts to be a juggernaut at all this year. But I think they have kind of an easy first half of their schedule. I think they have arguably the best offensive line in the league. I now think they're going to have one of the one of the best ground and pound attacks in the league. So I think if uh, Rivers can just present a veteran leadership quality and limit the turnovers, this can be a division winner. But we'll get into the other teams. I think there's more to this division race than, than just the Colts. 
I'm, I think I am a lockstep with both of you guys. And the Colts, I agree with you, Lee, 100%. I think they have the highest floor in the division just because of their uh, offensive line and really, I believe, the rushing attack, even though um, I'm, I'm, I think, Clep, maybe you might agree with me. We, you know, we might have been low on Jonathan Taylor relative to Lee, but still putting him behind this offensive line, I think, is just probably the best fit that Taylor could have had with, throughout the draft process. Um, I do have some questions about this secondary uh, Klepp, I agree with you when it comes to DeForest Buckner and Darius Leonard, but Malik Hooker has had some injury issues. They drafted Julian Blackman, and outside of him, you're kind of depending on Xavier Rhodes and Rocky Sin to really take Rocky Sin to take a really big step in year two, and Xavier Rhodes to kind of regain his form that he had previously in Minnesota. But he was an absolute turnstile last year for the Vikings. Um, I, I see, I think that DeForest Buckner, he's going to make a nice impact for them. You said he's a, you know, one of the best uh, defensive tackles in the league, interior defensive lineman. He can rush the passer. He can stop the run. They have really good linebackers. Um, I do see the, the floor with this team, but from a betting angle, I mean, guys, I don't know. I mean, eight, where I'm at, it's 8.5. Over 8.5 is minus 200. I think 10 wins is, an abs, is the absolute ceiling, I think, for the Colts in my mind. That's if... Jonathan Taylor, I think, already is going to have an 1,000-yard-plus season. I don't think he's going to have the, be the issue. If Michael Pittman can step in, a guy that we all really liked in the draft process, and be a sturdy number two for T.Y. Hilton or potentially even a number one, and you know Paris Campbell is able to take more of a natural three role in this offense. Uh, still, Phillip Rivers, um, this is a team who won seven games last year. They were good. They kind of overperformed with Jacoby Brissett and Ryan Hoyer for a little bit. But I don't know how much, you know, is Phillip Rivers really worth two wins? Is Phillip Rivers, Jonathan Taylor, and Michael Pittman, and DeForest Buckner, I guess, worth two wins? I don't think so. So I actually am kind of, uh, not, not more from a value It's not just that, though. It's not just them being worth those wins. It's how the division looks in full scale. And... You, well, we then we can get into that. When yeah, we talk but that goes the into division, there. That goes into the line, obviously, too. So you have to take that nine. Win- you know, you have to take that in stride. Okay, Vegas. My my point is just that Vegas thinks that the Colts are the top dog in this division. They're getting. I mean, they they have the same win total as the Titans, but they're favored to win the division. Um, and this is a team who won seven games last year, which I think you can kind of point to as a data point to the floor that you were talking about, Lee. But. The only reason I brought those players up is because those are kind of the main additions that they they added, uh, specifically at quarterback in, in Phillip Rivers. And Phillip Rivers last year, yes, he'll have better line play than he did with the Chargers, but I think as a guy who we've talked about in the Roethlisberger kind of status where they're not going to tank, he's not going to be that bad where he's tanking, but he's clearly a middle to lower tier quarterback, I think, at this point in his career. And I just think... This team has the best infrastructure in the division. They might have the best roster in the division, but I am not banking on you know nine. Their Vegas is expecting this. You got to lay minus two hundred to get nine wins out of this team. So I would take the under. I would bet them to finish second, third, or fourth, um, or second or third probably. You got plus one seventy five on Fox Bet to finish second, plus three fifty to finish third. Um, I think I would be fading the Colts as the top dog in the AFC South hype. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's going to be you know potentially more interesting conversation, honestly, for this division once we kind of get to ranking these teams uh, at, at the end here and go go through it. So uh, let's move on to the to the Houston Texans. Um, oh no, the, the Texans won the division last year. I'm sorry. The the uh, let, let's move on here to the Tennessee Titans. 
who, despite being a wild card team and, and going on the road for the whole playoffs, managed to go to Foxborough, get a win, go to uh, Baltimore, get a win. I think, and, and Lee, I know you just recently rewatched uh, that that Baltimore game. Uh, does the, did that did that you know give you anything you know, insight into the 2020 season? Because a team like the Titans, I think Mike Vrabel is the best coach in this division. Um, you know, I think even you can say things about Frank Reich and, and even, I guess, Bill O'Brien to a certain extent. But um, I think, you know, just in terms of what you've gotten out of Rabel uh, recently, it's just it's um, it's been really fantastic for the Tennessee Titans. And it's, it's a lot of it's going to come down to Tannehill. But uh, Lee, what did you see in that in that Ravens game just to refresh your memories? And what do you think about this team going uh, going into uh, 2020 here? Um. This is a really competitive team that I think will absolutely. I think you'd be a fool to not consider the Tennessee Titans in the playoff conversation, like I was last year and like I have been many years before. But the Titans just seem to stick around. I think I would argue for Frank Reich, but I don't have that deep of an argument to make at this point. I think the proof is in the resume when it comes to Vrabel, uh, and Frank Reich has a bit more to prove resume-wise as a head coach. But just because of the run last year, but overall. I think this is a defense that really rallies, and there's going to be a lot on Ryan Tannehill's shoulders. And we were just talking about Phillip Rivers. I think there's a similar, obviously Ryan Tannehill's a bit more spry, but I don't necessarily know how, how proven of a quarterback Ryan Tannehill is. And I know he proved a lot last year in the run, but uh, you know I'm not going to give him too much credit for uh, not playing you know the full season. And I don't think it's out necessarily out of the question that uh, Ryan Tannehill gets a reduction in his quality of play in this next year, which could bring this Tennessee Titans team down to being, I guess, less competitive than people may think. But I think even then, uh, they still would be in that eight-win territory. So I don't necessarily have a feel on the line. You're getting plus money for the under at eight and a half. So I think that's definitely interesting in this division, just because I think it's going to be a three-horse race. But uh, ultimately, I would not bet against the Titans just because of their coaching and the kind of blue-collar rally quality of their team. I just think they're a really tough uh, competitive team week in and week out. Yeah, I think this is my my favorite in the division right now is the Tennessee Titans. Um, I you know Lee, I wouldn't be I guess shocked if Ryan Tannehill fell off a cliff, but even you know how how far would he fall? You know, like you you brought up the run game, what they were able to do with Derrick Henry, even if there's a slight regression in in Henry's play. Um, you know, how much will losing Jack Conklin mean to this run game? I don't think too much. Um, I think this team's defense is is really darn good. You got Harold Landry, who had another good year last year. He's he's just getting ready to explode in the stratosphere. You can tell. Bringing in Vic Beasley, uh, you know, that's he's a guy who kind of was a one year wonder, but has a, you know a bit of a speed rush. And um, and then it comes for me, it comes down to the secondary. Kevin Byard is one of the more underrated players in the NFL. Has been one of the better safeties in the NFL the past couple of years. You got a Dory Jackson, Malcolm Butler. Um, Jonathan Joseph, who's a veteran, and then you bring in Christian Fulton, who I was the highest on in the second round as a young corner. Um, and then, you know, Jeffrey Simmons, uh, I think is, was really impressive in the limited snaps that he had last year. And I think is, is, you know, getting primed for a breakout year this year. And then when you go to their offense, I mean, this team has weapons. We, we talked about Derrick Henry and, you know, he was the leading rusher and was unstoppable really, uh, and led this team to the AFC championship pretty much on his own volition. Uh, and then you got A.J. Brown, who's arguably the best young receiver in the NFL. I think it was probably between him and Terry McLaurin when you come to, you know, complete, you know, young receivers, and he was the most impressive in their rookie year. 
Uh, Corey Davis, you know, isn't what he was at, at the fifth overall pick, but is not a scrub by any means. And you got Adam Humphreys, who's a nice little slot receiver. And, you know, Jonu Smith, who's an athletic tight end. So I see all of – I just tend to see all the upside with this team. And even if Tannehill and the run game with Derrick Henry were to regress, I still think, like you said, Lee, and Klepp, you alluded to with Rabel, um, this team has a certain floor, and it's you know that they're going to play a certain style of football. And I think that is going to, you know – give this team at least eight wins so i would i don't know if i'd take the the over eight and a half at minus 135 but i would love me some of that titans to win the division at plus 170 the tommy i don't know the only thing i'd kind of push back there is i don't i'm not as confident in these skill position players as you are if the running game does not you know is not productive obviously i don't know i don't know if the running game is going to be as just unstoppable as it was last year but if it regresses a significant amount and you're looking at a guy like Ryan Tannehill, who is not exactly a proven quarterback, like Corey Davis has been somewhat of a disappointment. I know, you know, AJ Brown had a breakout first season, but you know, and Adam Humphreys, I don't even think really had the, the production that they hoped that he would have um, signing him out of Tampa Bay for last year. And I mean, I, I like Johnu Smith, I guess, but I, I don't really know uh, how consistent of a, of a producer he is I don't you know he's not at least you know off the top of my head he's not up there with the guys like Mark Andrews or or Travis Kelsey or, or anything like that he's probably more of a middling tight end in the NFL like you can do a lot better but you could also do a lot worse so probably the best tight end in the division I guess unless you want to lean Jack Doyle but yeah but I, I, I just my, I, my, my point is is I just don't know if if things don't go well with the running game, say it's just it's just so happens that it's it's a mediocre running game and teams just put all of their effort into stopping Derrick Henry. I'm not sure if, if Ryan Tannehill and, and these skill positions can can will them past that. Yeah, I I see those points and I mean I think that's that's completely fair. I think we we can bring it up with the Colts too if you know if their running game isn't successful and. It kind of I'm using that to compare it to Houston, who we'll get into in a little bit. The Colts, who we just got into, who is kind of a similar team where the run game is going to kind of dictate a lot of their offense. But the only thing I guess I'll say is how much will this run game regress, you know, uh, injury aside? I just think Derrick Henry, um, even if you teams tried to stack it in the, in the box, Baltimore did it, New England did it. The guys just and maybe this is the attrition of the playoffs and that getting that much deeper into the season. But guys just don't want to tackle that dude. I mean, he's a yeah. he's a freak of nature. And if he's healthy, I guess all I'll say is, I think this guy is pretty much a lock for a thousand yards if he's healthy. So I guess the only thing I'll question is if he's healthy, how much can this run game regress? Unless the combination of Dennis Kelly and Isaiah Wilson are just completely ineffective at right tackle. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to get get Lee's kind of opinion on this, but just for me, it's more just accounting for the fact that in the NFL, things generally don't stay the same mm-hmm. unless it's the New England Patriots. I mean, if you if you told your you know yourself, oh, in 2019, like the Rams' offense is gonna suck, like you'd be like, oh, why not? It was like great last year. Yeah. Right. And it, and it just it, and and there you have you know maybe even better skill weapons, and Todd Gurley isn't the same guy, and then. And here you are, right? So, yeah. see, what is your, what's no, your thought on that? I, like, totally understand what Tommy's saying. I absolutely think that – I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Tennessee won the division. I think that it's fairly good value to get them at plus 170. I'm just – I think at the end of, day, end of the day, a bit more of a Colts believer than Tommy is. I just think it's going to be – this is just going to be really competitive. And I do think things change on a year-to-year basis. And I do think 
Although Tommy makes good points, you can make good points about a lot of the Titans opponents they're going to have this season, like the Steelers and like the Vikings and like the Bills and like the Texans, who we're about to talk about. So it comes down to those games. They play the Ravens again. You know, they play the Colts twice. It's just going to be, you know, uh, a, a really long stretch this year. I think this is a really competitive three-horse race. I think you can make a case for any team. Right now, my hat would be on the Colts, but I think that Tommy's absolutely right in a lot of points he made about the Titans. I just don't necessarily believe that. I think Tannehill was playing at an elite level last season. At, at, for, for, a long, for a long period of last season, he was playing at an elite level. Like, holy smokes, this guy's probably top 10 in the league, you know, and, and a Super Bowl quarterback. And I think that although I think that's possible, I don't think that he will find the same consistency at the elite level he was playing at through a full uh, season next year. And I think the defense will be good, but I have similar concerns about the skill positions as UCLEP. I don't think their running back room is as deep as Indianapolis. I do think they have a great offensive line, but I would still give the edge to the Colts. I think the Colts have the best line in the league. And I think I'm a, probably a little bit... You can't give the Colts the receiver edge, I think. Come on. Um, I don't know if I necessarily... That's what you think of Pittman, man. I would probably give the Titans the receiver edge, but I wouldn't give it by a significant margin. I don't think the Titans are bringing out the big guns that the Colts don't have. I'd say they're probably in a similar category of receiver caliber yeah. overall. Um, but, you know... I, I, I think it's a really interesting yeah, discussion is. because they are similar. They're built. They're built similarly. Another thing that I'll point to is um, when you talk about the offseason, and obviously I agree with you guys that I'm not saying that we're going to see the the latter half, you know, the post week eight Titans, uh, you know, from day one in 2020. But I will say that continuity does matter. You have Arthur Smith, who's their offensive coordinator, who was a first year offensive coordinator last year. He's coming back for a second year. Their offense. Maybe this is kind of me overreacting to how surprised I was by the Titans' run last year and how effective they were. But And when it comes to A.J. Brown, I mean, Clep, you and me were big on him in the draft process, and he exceeded my expectations. He's always a guy that we kind of compared to Jarvis Landry or Juju Smith-Schuster, and he seems to be a little bit more dynamic than that and kind of can create on his own a lot more than at least Jarvis Landry and, and Juju did as a rookie. So... I do. I would give the edge to the skill position players. I'd give the edge to Johnny Smith at tight end. I, of course, have to give the edge to the Colts' offensive line. But I'm taking Tannehill over Rivers from the base factor of mobility, I think. And I, I just, yeah, and I think they have a better defense than the Colts. But I am with you guys that it's, it's not, you know, uh, objective fact. Yeah. Let's move on to the, to the Texans um, to wrap this division up. Team that... Won a playoff game against the Bills last year. Went into Kansas City and got off to a big lead and then just seemingly lost it all in the blink of an eye. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I've brought this up before on the podcast. Like, concerned that maybe we all pile on Bill O'Brien a little too much. We're just like, everything he does is horrible, horrible, horrible. And I, But I, still, like, I just, I tend just to disagree with everything that he does and you know, I try not to, um, you know, fall in line with what just, you know, the general consensus is saying. But um, even the moves that he makes that are understandable in, in, in some way, like bringing, bringing in a guy like Laramie Tunsil, you know, he, Laramie Tunsil was the most penalized player in the league last year. Sure, is he still very good? Yes. But it, it wasn't like you just brought in Jonathan Ogden to your team and you still gave up two first round picks for him and you paid him a crap ton of money. Right. So, and just other little things like mishandling the Jadavion Clowney value, um, 
and then trading away uh, DeAndre Hopkins and for for David Johnson, who who is you know some probably over the hill at this point. Um, Brandon Cooks too trading that second round pick or like another second round pick for Brandon Cooks. It wasn't the same one, but another second round pick for Brandon Cooks when he's bounced around the league and kind of seems like finally the concussions and, and everything is, is caught up to him and you're giving away, you know, high value and a deep receiver draft for a guy like that. And I don't know. I just, I have a hard time with this team because I love Deshaun Watson. I think he's you know, a top five quarterback in the NFL, but everything that Bill O'Brien does just makes me angry with this roster. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. you can go ahead. Go ahead, oh, go ahead thanks. Lee. No, I completely agree. Clap. I think, I disagree with almost every move you, you said. and But I do, one thing you said is true. Deshaun Watson's a top five quarterback in this league. That's for sure, possibly top three. And that's something that no one else in this division has. And I think that the fact that the Houston Texans have that, at the end of the day, they've got, they've got a horse in the race. Absolutely down the stretch, I think. Uh, their ability to win games in the fourth quarter with Deshaun Watson will completely keep them in the conversation for the playoffs and, and like lee you wouldn't even say that that you know Tannehill or philip rivers would be kind of even close to sniffing the top 10 right like it's compared no. to the rest of the division it's a significant it's margin a significant the margin position that the texans have a have an advantage it's a significant margin i would say Tannehill has a lot more proving to do um if he wants to be in the same category as deshaun watson obviously so i think for that very reason that the Houston Texans will be in the conversation. I think they probably have the worst roster out of the three teams we're speaking on. Um, but at the same time, Deshaun Watson rises them to that level where I think they're going to be competing for a playoff spot, like I said. And I think a lot of their season is going to come down to Will Fuller's health. I think Will Fuller can be a huge asset for them and a huge deep threat that can give their offense a dynamic level of consistency that can be tried and true throughout the season. But his ability to stay healthy has been non-existent throughout his career. Um, I genuinely probably think, if you ask me, he'll probably get hurt, and that'll be that'll cause him to lose a few more games than maybe they would if he didn't get hurt. But if he can stay healthy, I think they can absolutely, you know, they, the, the thing that the Texans have struggled to do over the past couple of years is win games consistently, and that's because of injury and, and, and kind of the erratic nature of Deshaun Watson's play um, because ultimately there's too much on his shoulders but I think with the experience he has in the league right now, if he can, if Will Fuller can stay healthy, they can consistently win games, which will be huge for them in this division this year. Um, but, you know, I don't know how much of a shot they have just because I genuinely think their roster is a step beneath both the Titans and the Colts. So it should be interesting to see how it plays out because I think it could end up being a dumpster fire where they, you know, win six or seven games and Watson doesn't resign um, and ends up, you know, being one of the, you know, highest paid quarterbacks gets him a Mahomes like deal somewhere else because Bill O'Brien could have just crashed the train in Houston. But um, ultimately, like I said, I think this would be a, com a competitive team down the stretch. Yeah. I don't really want to touch on the personnel moves that you guys alluded to. Cause I don't think there's anything else that needs to be said. I mean, I completely agree with all of you guys. Bill O'Brien is just not a good GM, but I do think that he is a above-average NFL coach, I'll say. I mean, I have to give him some credit because I feel like I have and I, maybe you guys have for the, you know, since 2017 when we started kicking it back and talking a little pigskin. The, the Texans have been the, the Seahawks of the AFC in a way where you have Deshaun Watson, who 
I agree with both of you guys. I think he's, you know, I think he's the third best quarterback in the NFL right now. And that is just so valuable. Lee, you brought up Will Fuller. If Will Fuller is healthy, I don't think either either of us would be surprised if he finishes as a top ten receiver in the NFL. I think he, if when he's healthy, is arguably the best deep threat, maybe next to Tyree Kill in the NFL. I mean, the guy every time that he's healthy and he plays and the ball gets to him, especially in an offense yeah. where um, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be gone and you have Deshaun Watson who's playing at elite level. Um, you know, if he's healthy, I think that's huge for this for this team. Um, I do agree with you guys that I think this this roster is probably a step below Tennessee and Indianapolis. You know, they still have J.J. Watt, who's effective at this age. He hasn't really fallen off a cliff yet. He's still, a, you know, a, a plus defender on the defensive line. My man Charles Amenehu, who slipped to the fifth round for whatever reason last year, had a really nice year as a rookie, um, as a, you know, versatile defensive lineman out of Texas. Uh, the secondary, I think, got, be- got better after they added Connolly and picked up Hargraves for whatever it's worth. It's still not a, you know, a super good secondary, but I think they can be average. And I think they have you know, okay linebackers with McKinney and Cunningham. So I don't think this roster is completely going down the tubes, um, but you know, they're definitely worse than they were last year. Bill O'Brien's not a good GM. But it's kind of hard for me to think that this team is going to be a definitive, the definitive third team in this division. Um, and I would probably bet over seven and a half for the Texans. I mean, I know they, they won 10 games last year. How much worse is this team going to be without DeAndre Hopkins? I don't know from a morale standpoint and then from an actual real football standpoint how much worse this makes them. But I do think as long as Deshaun Watson is healthy, this team is going to have a shot in every game they play. I kind of briefly just looked over their schedule, and it looks pretty, pretty intense. Um, you know, they open up. Chiefs, Ravens, at Steelers, Vikings. Those are their first four weeks. I mean, that's pretty uh, – those are all pretty legit teams. They're definitely playing a first-place schedule. They're going to have a chance but in at all the end of them. the day, exactly. And that's kind of the, the ethos that I'm taking with this team. And I probably would go over 7.5. I probably won't make it, but if I had a little bit more capital, I probably would think about making it. I think it's a good bet. And for them to finish first and win the division is plus 350. And I think that's just kind of good value for a team that's won this division, what, the past – three years with the exception of the luck year. I don't know if they, they didn't win it that year, but this is a team that's made the playoffs basically since 2018 when Deshaun Watson became a full-time starter. Yeah. So, well, well um, let's, let's push into the, to the full rankings here. If you guys, if you guys are ready for that, I, I'm, I'll just start it off. I'm going to go uh, with the Titans winning this division. Uh, I just think that, um, you know, their roster overall, I think is, is the best, especially on defense. And I'm just a bigger believer in, in Rabel. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, and I, I think I think Tannehill can can carry this team a little bit. Um, you know, I think they they went away from him in the playoffs a little bit just because if the running game was working. But you know, at the last half of the the regular season, he was on fire as a quarterback, right? So uh, I, I think that that can continue, and I think that they have a really really just strong roster and strong culture there that that I'm a, I'm a fan of. So I'm putting them first. I'm gonna put the Colts second too. Uh, I, I like Frank Reich a lot, and I think their roster is overall uh, really, really solid. And I'll, I'll put the Texans third just because, I mean, I think at the end of the day you do have Deshaun Watson, but but that roster overall is just not where it should be and not where it needs to be, and eventually that, that can catch up to you. And, and, you know, things can happen at the quarterback position. Deshaun Watson could get injured. And, you know, but same thing in Indianapolis and in Tennessee, but, you know, especially in Indianapolis too, you have a guy like Jacoby Brissett who can come in and win games for you. Um, as we saw last year in, in Tennessee, they're they're a more well-rounded team than I think the Texans are. So 
Uh, I, I don't know off the top of my head who their backup is, but you know, I think that they can, you know, handle a few weeks without Tannehill for sure. So whereas Deshaun Watson is kind of the glue that holds this entire Texans team together. I mean, if you switch, if you, if you say that, you know, the Texans have a, a quarterback equivalent to Gardner Minshew, I don't think, I think we'd be saying that maybe they're the worst team in the division. So mm-hmm. um, to me, that's just, it's just too much to get over. And there's only so much one man can do. Um, and eventually this whole thing is going to have to fall through. So Byron Leftwich becomes the HC over yep. there in Houston. Right. So, Prophecy. so, and then, and then I'll put the Jags last, which is to, to no fault of their own, but uh, the, the roster is overall too weak, and, and Gardner Minshew is by far, you know, the, the least desirable quarterback in 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 the division. No matter what, um, you know, how appealing his story or his overall moxie is. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, go Indy first in this division, um, but like I said several times, I think it's a three horse race. I won't be surprised if any of these top three teams end up taking the uh, division championship this year. But my favorite would be Indy, um, Tennessee coming in second, Houston in third, and the Jags in fourth by two or three wins. Um, I think Houston is probably the most likely of the top three teams to win under eight games. I would say just because of the things you've said, Clep, there's only so many things one man could do. And I don't know how strong my argument would be against if you swapped Deshaun Watson and Gardner Minshew. Um, you know, if the Houston Texans could possibly even be worse than the Jaguars, um, you know, with the roster around him. So I'm going to go ahead and, and go Colts, Titans, Texans, Jags. Yeah, Lee, I think that's an interesting hypothetical, and I think the Jaguars would be significantly better than the Texans. I don't know about Clep, but I just, you know, I think Clep is funny. I pretty much agree with everything that you said in. Um, your in your breakdown of the divisions you know I'm gonna I'm just you know I got Tennessee at number one too but I gotta put Houston at number two just because I'm gonna assume that Deshaun Watson is healthy which I guess is kind of going out on a bit of a limb because he has had health issues in the past he takes a lot of sacks but overall um there's just this Texans team I think kind of just just overperforms every year as long as Deshaun Watson is healthy the team is going to overperform I think the new Hopkins loss is big for this offense, but again, Watson is more valuable than him. Uh, I think they're going to have a nice run game with David Johnson and the versatility that he can bring. And then, you know, Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, Kiki Kuti, they have some okay weapons, um, but it, it ultimately comes down to Watson. And just to finish it off, I got the Colts at third, but again, like you guys, you know, you're probably right to put them in second. They have a much better roster than Houston and arguably a better roster than Tennessee. But ultimately, I, this is kind of a fade on Phillip Rivers. Um, and in fourth, I got the Jacksonville Jaguars. So we're all locked up there. Yeah, cool. I mean, I think it's it's the AFC South is always a, a division that's really hard to predict and hard to know what's going to happen. So I think in terms of the Colts, the Texans, and the Titans, you know, whatever order they come in, one, two, three, I'm not really going to be shocked. Um, you know, so. It, if the Jags crack that, I'll be surprised. But but overall, with those those general top three three teams in the division, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if any of them came in first. And when you look at their, you know, those win totals seven and a half, eight and a half, eight and a half, you know, there's potentially some value to be had there if you're, you know, kind of fading or, or really, you know, liking those that one one of those teams because, you know, the division winner is going to have more than than that number of wins. So um, definitely some value to to be had here in the, in the AFC South. Uh, any, any final words, boys? 
you stay scheming. That's all I gotta say.